0: Hi, Pastor Greg here. I'm the pastor of the Jordan Assembly of God Church in Jordan, Montana. I'm very excited to introduce a brand new series, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. Thank you so very much for being a part of this podcast and listening to this. I hope that you enjoy this series. So without further introduction, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. I'm starting this morning out in Philippians 2, 5-11. You, you might say, well, that's what you tried to start out with last Sunday. This is the rinse and repeat version. We're going to go right back into it here. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, Lord God, thank you for this day and thank you for this time. I pray, Lord God, that we may have a wonderful time learning from your word, worshiping you, and fellowshipping with you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. The whole entire thing about this is identity and promise. Okay, so in part four of Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, we're going through prophecies and we're going through the proofs and the truth and the fact that we were promised. Well, how do we know about that promise? is because of the prophecies that were actually told. So the, really the jumping off point, the jumping off point is what, not whether or not the Bible is true or not. That's a lot of people like to get into the argument about whether or not the Bible is true or not. That's really not the argument. The fact of the matter is is that the Bible is categorically has proven to be truthful. So I'm not going to discuss or get into an argument about whether or not the Bible is true or not, because it's just true. You can choose to believe it or not believe it, but the Bible is truth. It, ha- it is all of it's true. But the real jumping off point is: Are you willing to believe that God promised, and when He promised, He revealed that promise to people, and that those people wrote it down? Because really, quite honestly, I'm going based on the hope of salvation, based on a promise that was made thousands of years ago. And it was confirmed by Jesus, birth, life, death, and resurrection. And then by simply hearing the gospel message, which is not a whole lot of everything, it's just simply this. Jesus Christ came. Died on the cross. You rose again. And it is by his death and his resurrection that you find forgiveness and you find a relationship with the Creator of heaven and earth. And by that relationship, you have the promise of eternity. So the jumping off point is do you believe? that God promised and revealed that promise through the prophets. It's kind of a jumping off point. That is true. But here's the thing. It'll be revealed in your heart. Because God is the creator of all things. So The genealogies, Luke and Matthew begin. so we went through John 1, 1 through 18, and the very next, in the chronological order, how it is actually set up, it goes into Luke, and then the very next thing is Luke and Matthew. And they begin their accounts by answering the prophecies that established the prerequisite lineage of Jesus. Because the Messiah was not just any old person that was just going to be born to any old place and any old person and whatever. It was not going to be that way. God had a very specific pathway for that that individual, for Jesus. So why is this important? God divinely reveals the future. The only way to confirm that it is truly God, because there's a lot of false information out there. There's a lot of fake stuff out there. How do you know that what Matthew is saying or what Luke is saying is actually true when all these other people are also saying it? Or... No, this is happening. This is happening. There's even movies about it. You can you can you can watch it. And there's there's several things that they try to change the life of Christ, or they try to change the birth order, or they try to change the reasons for it. And, they, and there's all this stuff, and you know, it makes for good storytelling, but it's not the truth. The truth is found in the scriptures. Okay, great storytelling in the world, but it's not something that I want to live my life by. I want to live my life by truth. I don't know about you, but I really don't like being lied to. I'm pretty positive that most of you are the same way. And the only way to find the truth is Jesus, because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So, in Luke 1, through 1-15, "...inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, Just as those who were from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. Now, here's something interesting Luke is not one of the twelve disciples. When Luke starts saying, talking about a, a perfect understanding of what is going on, not only is it the relationship with God through Jesus, which we know, you know, I know that the Spirit of God reveals so much in our hearts and in our lives, but not only that, but also the information that he developed over talking with people, over listening to people, first-hand accounts of things going on, and how he developed that, and Theophilus uh, Theophilus is either and no matter which way you want to put it either Theophilus was a Jewish priest and it is recorded historically that the, there was a there was a priest that was that was named Theophilus that was currently in the priesthood that Luke was writing to or he was a gentile that he was writing to Either which one you want to do, and if you want to discuss that later on, or you want to come to me and say, Greg, how did you, where are you getting this from? I'm just bringing up a certain point there that there's a lot of information that Luke knows that a Gentile would not necessarily know, okay? So, but I'm not saying that he was Jewish. I'm also not saying that he was Gentile. I think that on both of those sides, you have discussions on both, both parts on that realm. Um, and uh, that may be not something that you had learned before just so that you are aware of that. Um, And that he's basically making the statement that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. So basically, Theophilus, whoever it was, was instructed in this, but Luke was wanting him to have more of that foundational certainty that he can actually verify. So there was in the days of herod the king of judea a certain priest named zacharias of the division of abijah his wife was of the daughter of aaron and her name was elizabeth and they were both righteous before god walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the lord blameless but they had no child because elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his, of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were as praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Okay, so, and we will go on further with that later on, but... This establishes John the Baptist, the one who paved the way for Jesus, also establishes that Jesus had a lineage that connects with the priesthood through Mary, okay? So Luke's taking a little bit different tack, and we're going to be able to compare those between Luke and Matthew's account a little bit later on. Now, some of the prophecies, Malachi 4.6, that there will be a forerunner and would turn many to righteousness. In Malachi 4, 6, it says... And, and actually, I'll, I'll go one up above. I'll go into verse five, just to kind of give you a little context. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest they come and strike the earth with a curse. Now, what's really interesting about this portion and somewhat about this, normally when it's stated a dreadful day of the Lord, that normally means judgment. So this could be discussed on multiple ways. I'm just going to put that out there. It can be discussed as multiple ways because obviously Jesus did not come to judge. So obviously this, the day that we're talking about Jesus is not him coming to judge. But we do know that Jesus made the link between John and Elijah later on. Okay, so I'm just putting that out there. But that there will be a forerunner before Jesus is definitely depicted. Now, in Isaiah 9.6, it says this, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And, and Isaiah 49, 5, and now the Lord says, who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, so that Israel is gathered to him. For I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. So we have a child born humanity, and we also have a servant from the womb. See, Jesus is fully God and fully man. But notice, notice that what we actually stated, that he put himself under the... The servant, remember in Philippians that we that we read, he put himself under under that obedience level. He put himself underneath that obedience level, following after God the Father. And then in Isaiah 16, because we're not through with Isaiah. 16: 4 through 5. Let my outcasts dwell with you, O Moab. Sixteen, four and 5. Be a shelter to them from the face of the spoiler, for the extortioner is at an end. Devastation ceases. The oppressors are consumed of the land. In mercy, the throne will be established, and one will sit on it in truth in the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking justice and hastening righteousness. Now notice that little term, and one will sit on it in truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through the Son. Reigning in mercy. This is also another little piece that that is often forgotten. If you hear of the stories of the Messiah, he is supposed to come and deliver people from their oppressions. But as I've spoken before, Jesus is not the answer to your problems. Jesus is the answer to the problem that we created. Let me say that again. Jesus is not the answer to your problems. Jesus is God's answer to the problem that we created. God is not the one that sinned in the garden. We did. Oh, no, 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 that was Adam and Eve. No, 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 no. We. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all in the same boat together. Get yourself out of the mindset that there is groups of people that are better than other groups of people because we are not. Jesus is how we get to have that relationship with God the Father. In the understanding of getting that relationship with God the Father, that our lives change. Now, are there going to be answers? Of course. God is going to answer a lot of things because you're going to be able to see things clearly. But Jesus is not the answer to your problems or your oppressors or to free you out of it, other than the fact of freeing you from sin. That separated you from God. His whole entire goal is to get you in that relationship with God the Father through himself. That blood cleanses you from all sin. How do you want to solve issues? Nine times out of ten, solving an issue is doing exactly the opposite of what you think you should do. That person offended me. I need to stand up for my rights. Turns out, if you stop standing up for your rights and you actually say, you know what, I'm sorry. Whoa, what just happened? You have literally removed the ability for anger to be actually done by that other individual. What did Jesus do? Jesus came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. What do we do when we enter into a situation? Do we go into that situation to condemn the situation? Or do we go in there to actually shine a light of love? Blessed are the peacemakers. I'm just saying. Right? Right? So we have the prophecy of the forerunner, we have a child, a prophecy of a child being born, we have a servant from the womb, we have reigning in mercy, and then we go into Daniel. Now Daniel is actually what is known as a written prophet, he never really went out and spoke a whole lot, he All of his prophecies were primarily in writing, in written form. And then Daniel 7, uh, 13 through 14. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. This is linking to the same exact promise for King David because King David was promised an everlasting kingdom. In Second Samuel 7.14, I'm going to go up one verse. Verse 13, he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. So he kind of has a a mixture here of prophecy when it comes to the son of God, as well as his forgiveness, as well as straight through for people. So you also have Psalms 132, 11. The Lord has sworn in truth to David. He will not turn from it. I will set upon your throne the fruit of your body. If your sons will keep my covenant and my testimony, which I shall teach them, their sons also shall sit upon your throne forever. And First Chronicles, I know I'm kind of going through a lot of these because a lot of them kind of builds upon exactly what Luke was talking about. First Chronicles 17, 12 through 13. He shall build me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son, and I will not take my mercy away from him as I took it from him who was before you and i will establish him in my house and in my kingdom forever and his throne shall be established forever and everlasting kingdom and then back in psalms 89:27 also i will make him my firstborn the highest of the kings of the earth my mercy mercy i will keep for him forever and my covenant will stand firm with him and same chapter Verses thirty five through thirty seven. Once I have sworn by my holiness, I will I will not lie to David, his seed shall endure forever, and his throne as a sun before me. And it shall be established forever like the moon, even like the faithful witness in the sky. So you have the Son of God, you have the seed of David. You have the reign on David's throne forever. You have Emmanuel to be higher than earthly kings. You have David's seed endure forever. Thousands of years later, we can jump forward. So many people during this time period have lived and died, lived and died, lived and died without ever seeing it. And then in Luke, in Luke chapter 1, Verse fifteen, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. This is talking about John. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zachariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old, Man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day, until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them, remained speechless. So it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. Now after those days his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Thousands of years later, in some cases, hundreds of years later for other cases, depending on when the prophecy was actually made. God revealed the truth behind it. And here's Luke, by the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, saying, O Theophilus, so that you may have a foundation that you may know to certainty of which you have already been instructed, this is certain. I cannot tell you how many times I have read personal testimonies of Jewish priests or rabbis that have come to know Jesus because when they read the accounts of other Jewish people and they read it and they compare it to what they know about the Old Testament certainty is is there for those who seek. Certainty is there for those who knock. Certainty is there for those who truly want to know. And so it's not whether or not the Bible is true. It's not whether or not you wonder about things or how things can go. It's truly about whether or not do you believe the promise of God and that that promise was given to the prophets. God reveals his promise. How long would it take for you to assume God forgot or moved on? Thousands of years. How long, how long is it in your life where you ask for something and you don't get the answer or you don't hear the answer or you, whatever, however you don't get the answer that you truly have? How long does it take for you to try and actually fulfill it yourself? For some, it could be like five minutes. God reveals his promise. Thousands, hundreds of years. So, in your life, when God is working upon your life and your belief, how long do you think it might take? Who knows, but He's going to do it. Our identity is found in promise. Let this mind be in you, remember in Philippians. Let this mind be in you. It is not about having myself known. It is not about if I am remembered. It is not about my accomplishments. It is about how I have honored the Lord God Almighty in humility and obedience. Very simple. And then, very end. 1 Timothy 1:15 through 15-17 This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy, that in, my first, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God, who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. My identity is found in the promise. Do I believe that promise? And in believing that promise, in my life, do I believe that God will accomplish everything that he promised he was going to do? He promised you that you were going. he was going to work in your life. Do you believe that? He promised you that he would never leave you nor forsake you. Do you believe that? He promised you that you were going to have eternity to spend with him. Do you believe that? And if so, let's walk in that belief. Because if somebody is upsetting me, why are they upsetting me? Is it not because I've held on to something that I probably shouldn't hold on to? If something is going wrong, Can I not simply forgive and allow no anger and bitterness to actually take root? It's all about choice. It's all about operating. It's all about allowing my life to change and believing in the promise of God. There's a song about that. There's a hymn about that, isn't there, Dick? I'm almost positive there's a hymn about that that keeps on getting on me about hymns. I do remember some hymns, I'm just saying. But I'm almost so we're going to have to find that hymn or we're going to have to do that one. Kind of going through my head just a little bit. I don't feel confident enough to sing it and you probably don't want me to, so it's okay. <sighs> right? It's the promise of God. Can you live in promise where your identity is there? I just gave you the prophecies, and I gave you what Luke has said, that basically that was a certainty that he was writing. Now the question is, do you believe the promise? And can we walk in that promise so that when we are asked, we have an answer for the hope that is within us. I know that I know that I know that I know. My dad always said that every single time, or almost every single service I know of when I was growing up. He says, I know that I know that I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose again, and by his sacrifice, I am saved. I know that I know that I know. question there's a lot of other things that can be questionable but that is not one thing that he ever questioned in his life he's still living so let's operate in the promise because that's where identity is found let's pray lord god i want to thank you for this day i want to thank you for the promise i want to thank you lord god for the confirmation of that promise and the continued walk with us lord god i pray lord god that we may establish that relationship with you through Jesus, Lord God, that we may build that up, Lord God, understanding that it is a privilege to be able to come into your presence. I thank you, Lord God, for everything that you do and who you are. In your name I pray, amen, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and taking the time. I hope that you enjoyed this series. If you would like to follow this podcast as well as other podcasts, you may go to agjordanmt.com. I hope you have a wonderful day.